October 24th, 1929. Does anybody know about that date? Anybody been around? Does that, does that ring a bell? Can anybody tell me? This is a little history. Can anybody tell me what happened on that day? <laughs> no. The stock market crash. It was the stock market crash that that event right there ushered in the Great Depression. The Great Depression lasted for about 10 years. And during that time, at the height of the Depression, uh, America was really, in fact, not only just America, but it was a, it was a worldwide event. But here in America, we peaked, uh, uh, where we were at about 25% unemployment. And, uh, when, 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 when men, it got, I just believe it's how God has wired us. Not that women don't work. You guys do work. I mean, you work at home and, and that's just as hard a job as any job. But when a man can't find a job and he's not working, uh, that's depressing for a man. Uh, men don't, men don't do well unless there's something missing in their life, uh, uh, whatever. But when men are not working, uh, there's just something about it. But there was 25% unemployment. Uh, wages went way down during that time for those who were working. And the suicide uh, rate went way up during those 10 years. Today, economically here in our nation overall, we're not in a Great Depression, but we are still, uh, if you really look at the figures, we're still in a recession. Expenses are up. And wages have went down or they have stagnated. Uh, make no mistake about it. It is still, from an economic uh, standpoint, in many parts of America, it's still very tough. Some places they're thriving and doing well, but not doing that well in many parts of America. Many people here in America are still living under the weight of discouragement, disappointment, and depression. I also just kind of want to just throw something out to you and how, as the Bible says, we're to pray for one another. I want to encourage you to pray for pastors. Uh, about a month ago, uh, I shared uh, on a Thursday evening as we gather, and I still want to encourage you guys, come to pray on Thursday evenings. But uh, I remember I was, I was going through the book of Peter, First uh, uh, Peter and also Timothy, and, and felt very led to be praying, and, and I do pretty regularly, but really felt led that evening to pray for pastors uh, here throughout America. Uh, it, there are so many pastors in America, you have absolutely no idea who are, who are discouraged. I, I believe the figure there are 60% of pastors right now would pull out of the ministry if they could find another area or means of work, but they stay there because this is only what they know to do or, or what they can do at this point because they're really that discouraged. Now, our circumstances uh, here in America and maybe here in, Cert in Citrus County compared to the persecuted, okay, our brothers and sisters throughout the world, what's happening in the Middle East, our circumstances pale in comparison to what they're going through right now. Uh, to, uh, to, to, to imprisonment, uh, to, to, uh, being persecuted. It, it's not even close. Their, their stress and pressure that our brother are facing today are absolutely enormous. I encourage you on a regular basis, be praying for the persecuted church, for people, our brothers and sisters who are going through tough times. 
But make no mistake about it. We, here in America, we have our share problems. We have our challenges. There are many people that are, that are stalled in their career. They're, they're not making it. There's still a lot of people who are looking for jobs, looking for employment. Uh, people are in debt, relationship issues that are going on in family, divorce rates, families that are splitting up, uh, people in health issues, uh, uh, sin issues. Uh, bondage, uh, uh, or just talking about life. And then you have the enemy of your soul who is trying to chase you down and you, you bring in all those factors and it's easy to become discouraged. There's no question about it. And so I want to ask a question to those who came into this room here this morning. How are you doing and how are you dealing with discouragement? Some of you are probably saying, well, pastor, I'm doing it the best way that I know how here today. And I want to ask you, the way that you are dealing with your discouragement, is it working for you right now? Is it really, help, is it really helping you right now? I want you to know something. I, one of the reasons I love the Bible is because it's so raw and it's so real. It doesn't sugarcoat uh, uh, situations, God's people. In fact, when I read the Bible, I see a lot of people in the Bible, godly men and women who really love the Lord, went through great times of disappointment, discouragement, even depression. I think of Elijah, the prophet, who said, quote, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. This is a prophet. This is a man who was regularly hearing the voice of God. Jonah, the prophet, he said, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead. David, the giant slayer, said this in the king of Israel. He says, why am I so discouraged? Why am I restless? And Job said, why did I not die at my birth? And so here you see, you'll see many men and women who have went through some very rough moments, very discouraging moments. In fact, this is kind of how it happens. When, it, when, when discouragement comes, it happens by a disturbing development. And that disturbing development, okay, uh, if there is a period of time and you're still facing or dealing with that disturbing development, it goes into discouragement. And and, and all of a sudden, you say, well, I've been in, in this season. I've been dealing with this situation for a long time. And then it goes from discouragement down to the point of depression. Depression says this. This is the voice that, that we hear inside of us. This isn't going to change. This is what I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. And really, there's no hope. There's no, there's no possible change. And I say this, this can happen to the best of God's people. And I would say this, you may, uh, you may not be in a moment of discouragement right now. You may not be in a place of de depression, but I promise you this to everyone here in this room. I promise there's going to be a season where you'll, you will be not only disappointed, but you will be discouraged. There may even come to a point in your life you said, man, I, I, I've just had enough. You experience it, every single one of us. Because of that, everyone here in this room needs encouragement. Even the best of us, even the most godly of us need encouragement. I was reading a story about Abraham Lincoln's stuff on the night that he was assassinated at Ford's Theater. This is what he was carrying, what they found on him. 
two pairs of glasses, an ivory pocket knife, a large handkerchief with A. Lincoln stitched in red, a tiny pencil, a brass sleeve button, a fancy watch fob, and a brown wallet with a Confederate $5 bill. But Lincoln, here's what it says. He also carried eight newspaper clippings that he had cut out and saved. All of those clippings praised him. All about the good things that he was doing at that particular moment. And it was those things that helped him. In fact, Lincoln faced some very dark days. So the question I want to ask here this morning, in fact, it's there in, in your bulletin, uh, in there in your notes. How do you make it, if you're in a place of discouragement and depression, how do you make it until the change comes? Because I want to just tell you here, all of you here today, change is coming. If you're discouraged here today, change is coming, okay? You're depressed, change is coming. Now, you're asking this question, but pastor, when's it going to come? Because I can't wait for it to come. Here's what I want to tell you. I can't tell you when it's going to come. I wish I could tell you what. I know it's going to happen this week or this day. If you do this thing, I promise you it's going to happen by this time. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you this. It's found in the book of Hebrews. In fact, I want to encourage you, for those who are in a season of discouragement, maybe even in a season of depression, I want to encourage you to go to the book of Hebrews, because there in the book of Hebrews, the author who we don't know, some feel it might have been Paul, uh, some felt it might have been Apollos, but what we know this, that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the writer is writing to a group of believers who were definitely devout believers, people who loved the Lord, but were very discouraged, were very down. And and they were going through, uh, I mean, a very rough time. They they came to the point, basically, when it came to their faith, they just, the white towel, they just kind of wanted to throw it in. They said, I, we've had enough because what was going on, uh, they were paying a high price for following Christ. Many of those who had uh, had become followers of Christ had either lost their jobs, had lost friends, and families, I mean, that turned on them. In fact, there were many that had lost their freedom, uh, were in, were incarcerated, were in prison because simply for being a follower of Christ, some had even lost their lives and they saw people losing their lives and saying, what's going on? It, uh, And they were saying, it, and, and they were coming to this conclusion. They said, you know what? Before Christ, I was dealing with issues, but I didn't have to deal with this kind of pressure. And, and, and so uh, I, I'm, I'm just done. And the theme of, of, of Hebrews is this. Write it down. Don't go back. And for those who are disappointed here today uh, in their, with God and with faith right now, those who are discouraged, those who are going through depression right now, the word here in Hebrews, in fact, in the Bible, don't go back. Even though things are not working out according to your plan, even though things are just not working out as you hoped it would go, things aren't working out and coming your way, keep on going. It's going to work out here in the end. Some of you are here today, discouraged and in despair. And you say, the Bible doesn't feel real. 
getting together on Sunday mornings really isn't doing much for me. Church is not making a difference. The promises that I read in the Bible, they're not coming to pass. What's going on with that? I'm not seeing the payoff for my faith. And those are some real things that are, that are going on inside of us. And the question is, what's the answer to that? I want you to go with me, if you have your Bible, go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. He's encouraging throughout, uh, throughout this letter. There's a couple of other themes, but overall, there's a theme of just keep on going. Don't give up. He says here in verse 22, Hebrews 10, 22, let us go right into the presence of God. Remember how we were just singing about it? Your presence is heaven to me. There's something about the presence of God that really makes a difference. How do we get into the presence? It's through worship. We were hearing Brett just giving us a, just, a, just a little shot, just a little shove, just a little push, just kind of push right in there into the presence of the Lord. Let us go into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Verse 25, and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I want you to see there, keep up verse 25 there, Alex. Uh, one of the uh, one of the reasons I, I can tell when people are discouraged, okay, in their faith, it it shows a lot of times by their church attendance, and uh, and and their church attendance by beginning to miss, and it becomes a habit you know, where they were once regulars, and and it's not necessarily because of life circumstances they're busy or they've got this going on, or they've got that going on. They've come to the point, really church isn't making a difference. Really following the Bible is not making a difference. And they throw their hands up and they say, what's the use? But the Bible says there there are people there that was happening back then, and it's happening now. People are in the habit of missing church, gathering together to worship the Lord. And it says here, in verse 22, to those who are going through discouragement, then you're wondering, is it going to really work out? The Bible says, let us go into God's presence with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. And the question is, how can we trust God when things are not necessarily working out? Why can we trust him? Why? I want you to write down here, because we have full access to God because of Jesus Christ. We know there's a God. We know that in our heart of hearts. In the, in the times where we're not feeling God, seeing God, experiencing God, there's something inside of us. I know there is a God, but I don't feel him. I don't see things working out. Here's the word to us. He says, hang on to this thought. We have access to God because of Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. And I know this. If you're discouraged for a period of time, the temptation is to let go. And this word here in verse 22, the Greek word, it's called kata echo. 
that word let us hold tightly it means don't let go it has it has an image of holding on to a rope okay don't let go to possess to retain it the time that we are listen to this this is so important when you are most in, discouraged when you are most depressed, this is the time more than ever that you squeeze onto the rope, you hold on with everything you've got, and you say, I, instead of shrinking back and going backwards, I'm going to go forward because there's going to be a time that everything inside of you, your emotions are saying, this doesn't work out. But the most important time to connect with God is when you least feel like making contact with God. I don't feel God. I don't sense God. I don't see God. And because of that, what we're feeling, we tend to begin to let go of what we know what we should do. And it's in that moment we do the opposite. We're squeezing on and we're pressing forward with everything we've got. Write this thought down. For those, I, I, the Holy Spirit, just so much of your walk, what God is predicated on what you're feeling and your feelings and if you don't feel it, you don't do it. And I say, don't let feelings dictate your actions. I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like reading my Bible, okay? Uh, the, the TV seems more interesting to me than what the Bible is to me right now. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and I want to so encourage you, don't live by your feelings. Your feelings will betray you. There was a pilot uh, as he was there up in the air, saw a, a cloud up ahead, and, and he decided to go ahead and fly through this this cloud. But this cloud was not such a little cloud. It was huge. So he pulled up uh, on the steering right there, and he began to climb, and he kept on climbing, and 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 the cloud was right there. So he, he made a decision, you know what, instead of going up, I'm going to start to go down. And when he started going down, he went down for a little while, and then he became disorientated. And uh, he's he, and he, he was kind of feeling it. He literally felt like he was upside down, and he began to panic. He was sweating. He, he didn't know what to do. And he looked at his instrument panel, and his instrument panel told his that the plane was flying right side up. And he, and he said, he said, I had to make a decision because I was going to go the opposite direction. Uh, and, uh, he says, I made a decision right there at that moment. He says, it was, it was absolutely critical. He says, I was going to trust my instruments. And he says, I, I absolutely stayed focused out of that. And after a period of time, he came out of the cloud and he found out he was flying very low. If he wouldn't have trusted his instrument, he would have crashed and he would have died. And here's the analogy. We listen to what we feel. So many times our feelings take us away from God. Yes, we go ahead. We acknowledge what we feel. God, this is what I'm feeling, Lord. This is what I'm experiencing, Lord. This is what I'm going through. We bring that to the Lord, but we don't live by what, what our feelings tell We live by faith in what God's Word tells us, and we trust Him without failing. God's saying to you and I, stick with it, my son. Stick with it, my daughter. Why? Because God's saying to you and me, I can, tr I can be trusted. Even when it doesn't feel like it. Even when God's word even doesn't look like it or feel like it. God's word and promises seem, some, uh, some of you say, I think God just skipped me. 
I think God just forgot about me. I want you to see something right here because this is generally the problem that we're going through. God's promises and God's fulfillment. God makes a promise. We read something in the Word and you say, oh, that is so pertinent to what I'm going through right now. And it speaks to you and encourages you. But all of a sudden, uh, you have this issue, you have this problem, and, and there's a gap, there's a space in between God's promise and God's fulfillment. And it's in that space, and it's in that time is where our faith is being most tested. And, uh, and I want you to see here, here's, here's, here's God's, here's God's promise right here, and here's the fulfillment. And it's in this space right here. How do we live our life between the, the fulfillment and the promise? And this is the place we can become most discouraged. Look at with me here in Hebrews chapter 10. Here's, here's the word to us. But you need to stick it out. Stain what God's plan, Hebrews 10, stain what God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute. But anyone who was right with me thrives on loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Oh, no, we'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. Now, here's, here, here's what happens. When, when the promise has been made and we hear the word of the Lord and God has spoken to our hearts, okay, we're still dealing with the issues. If we panic, we're negative, uh, we begin to draw away from God, okay, here's what happens, okay? We go back to the place right here. We don't make, prom- we don't make progress. And God eventually will get us to that place. We don't know when that's going to happen, okay? But some of uh, us are not seeing the breakthrough because we shrink back. Where we complain, we moan, and, 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 and we don't do the things that God has called us to do. Some of you haven't seen a breakthrough because here, here it is, you're, you're moving in the wrong direction. As you're moving towards fulfillment, there's faith that's combined. There's, uh, there's prayer. There's worship, okay? And we're going to see here in just a moment how together, being together and encouraging one another really fits into that picture. God is faithful. He is unable to lie. And the question is, why does God want you to go forward? Why does God, first of all, okay, he obviously wants you to experience this fulfill There's no question about this. But in this process that you're going through right here, God wants to do something else in your life. Write it down. It's called developing your spiritual character. He wants you during that process, okay, as you're walking from that journey of a problem, okay, to fulfillment, he wants to see you and I become more like Christ, okay? And that takes some time. Okay? He wants you and I to experience not only his promises, but his character. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says this from the Phillips translation. We can be full of joy here and now, even in our trials and troubles. That's either a true statement or a false statement. And I want to tell you, it is absolutely true. Why? Because I've experienced it myself. In 38 years I've been a Christian, I've had many moments of discouragement 
Many moments of fulfillment, but during that time, I want to tell you, God has been faithful and have brought peace and joy during those times. He says, taken in the right spirit, these very things will give us patience and endurance. This, in turn, will develop a mature character, and a character of this sort produces a steady hope. Our, our problem is we want the fulfillment without the character. I'll just go ahead. I want to rush through this and experience this. And God says, no, 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 no. Slow down. I, I have a plan in, in mind. I'm going to let you go through some things in your life so Jesus can come out of you. Hebrews 10, 24 now. I want you to see this. This is how the together fits in. And let us, this is all about, this is the church this is not written to pastors. This is written to God's people. Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit, but encouraging one another. One of the main reasons that we get together for church is not only to hear the sermons and to receive the spiritual food that we receive to worship God, but we are to get together for... Here it is, for encouraging one another, for spurring one another on. Well, you say, Pastor, that really doesn't happen that much on Sunday mornings. And I say, guess what? You're right. Where does that happen? Where can that happen? It happens when people intentionally gather together, whether in homes or other meeting places, and say, you know what? I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I know that you need encouragement, and I need encouragement. God knows this. He knows there's going to be moments that his people, his sons and daughters, are going to go through encouragement because of evil, because of the curse that's on this earth, because there's loss. There needs to be encouragers and spur, what I call spurs. Everybody is in one of two places in this place at Calvary right now. You're, you're either, you're, you're encouraging people right now or you need encouragement. We're in one of those two places. And we need, and we need encouragers. Football just got gone, just started. And uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed or if you've ever been to a football game or maybe to a basketball game and, and the cheerleaders, okay? The other team just scored a touchdown or just got a basket and, and the team that just had points scored on them, you have the cheerleaders. What are they out there? They got their pom-poms, okay? And they're jumping up and down and they're doing cheers for the team that just got scored on. Why are they doing that? What's going on during those moments? The job of the cheerleader is in spite of how bad things are going on the field, they are going to support the team in its struggle and losses, and they're going to keep on going. Okay? That's the job of the cheerleader. We're going to keep on cheering you no matter what's going on. When we're losing... When we're down in life and maybe things are not going our way or maybe we've made some bad choices and decisions, okay? At, at, at that point in our life, we don't need the boo birds that come out and tell us how bad we're doing. I mean, you're just making one bad choice after another, okay? We know we've made some bad choices. We, what, what do we need? We need encouragers. We need someone who's going to stay with us even on our worst days. We need people, the cheerleaders, who, who they don't necessarily agree with the call, the play, the fumble, but they're still there for you. I read this quote. Someone said this. 
The men who are lifting the world upward and onward are those who encourage more than they criticize. I ask you this question. Are you an encourager or are you a criticizer? There's a time for being critical. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. The greatest cheerleaders, the greatest cheerleaders that are found are found in God's church. The great, in fact, the greatest cheerleaders should be in God's church. Why? Because the greatest cheerleaders are people who've experienced tremendous amounts of mercy and grace in their life, been forgiven of much. And, and if it wasn't for God in their life, God stepping into their circumstances and the situations they were, they were going through, they would have never made it. And it's those people, as Jesus says, those who have been forgiven of much, they love much. They encourage much. So for those who, 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 who really kind of see, well, I really, I, I, the people, the greatest ones who have had a taste of, of God's grace emerge. This word encourage in the Greek, parakello. I want you to see this. This is kind of like the Holy Spirit. It means, it means to come alongside. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And he, and he, God calls his church, his sons and daughters to come alongside of those who are discouraged. Okay. They come alongside of them. And what do they do? They strengthen them. They support them and they comfort them. I ask you a question. How is that possible? To, how can we even do that unless we're connected in relationship? The question is, are we connected in relationship? I know you're struggling, but you can make it, my brother. I know you're struggling, my sister, but we, we can make it together with God. We motivate through the process of encouragement. We motivate. There's just something about it. Great encouragers. Say, they, they spend focused time. I mean, they have their eyes on you. They're listening with everything inside of their, they're, they're fixed. And not only are they, are they great listeners, they give you their undivided attention, but they speak encouraging words that bring life. 1994. Forget what Super Bowl it was, but it was the Buffalo Bills uh, playing the Dallas Cowboys. This was the fourth Super Bowl that the Buffalo Bills had been in. They had lost three before and they lost their fourth one. Had won one. And uh, there was a great running back. His name was Thurman Thomas. He was all pro, phenomenal runner. And he was there after the game. He was sitting there on the sidelines there, and, and he had his face there uh, in his hands. I mean, he was weeping and was crying. And Emmett Smith of the Dallas Cowboys, who was a running back, great. In fact, he was the MVP of that game. He had his little uh, goddaughter in his hand, and he saw Thurman Thomas, and he walked over there to him, and uh, and he saw how dejected and down. And in fact, Thurman Thomas had three fumbles that day. Probably because of those fumbles, uh, it, it caused them to lose the game that day. It was really close, and uh, and he's there. He's he's weeping. He's crying. And 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 Emma Thomas, he says, "I want to introduce you to the greatest running back ever." This is Mr. Thurman Thomas. Brought his spirits up. There's something when we speak timely words, how God can revive the soul. Now, if you're going to be a good cheerleader, by the way, God wants you to be a good cheerleader. You need to know the cheers. 
I was, I was going into Walmart yesterday morning, and uh, the Inverness Storm cheerleaders, okay, were right there at the doorway collecting money for, a collect, you know, for whatever they needed some money. And they're doing their chairs. I mean, they're going away. And, and, and I, all I had on me was plastic at the moment. I said, guys, I'm sorry, I can't help you out. But here it is. If you're going to be a good cheerleader, you you got to know the cheers. You can't just do your own thing. Now, there's two big cheers. What I call them the goalpost for good. Now, it's football today. It's, and I'm, I'm using football metaphors. Please forgive me, but it's it's the start of the NFL season. Okay, and I want you to see the cheer here this morning. Okay, here's the goalpost. This is where we score points. Okay, this is where the football goes, and we and we get three points. <clears throat> it's called truth and love. In John chapter one, verse fourteen, it says, "The Word became flesh." It's talking about Jesus, and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. What did He come with? He came full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. If we want to help people, if we want to encourage people, this is the cheer. We come to them with much grace, much mercy, much compassion. But at the same time, we also come with the truth. And this is something that God wants us to be able to do to encourage one another. You can tell the truth without love. If you're in the hole and you're not doing well and someone's above you and they've got a shovel and they're just, they're just putting dirt on you, they're telling you the truth. That's all you do is you make bad decisions. That's all you do is you, you care about yourself. You don't need a shovel. You need someone that has a rope, okay, that, that you can go ahead and grab onto and they can go ahead and help pull you out of the circumstance that what you're in. The Bible says this, encourage one another daily. Listen to this, daily. We need it daily as long as it's called today. So none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We need an encouragement. We we need someone to tell us not only can we make it, but we need sometimes people to tell us the truth. All of us here in this room, all of us have an issue or two that we're still struggling with. When it comes to our faith, when it comes to walking in obedience, uh, we have some sin issues. And, uh, and I believe this, that, that if we are living in what I call unrepentant sin, un, or, or even, let me even define it a little bit, unfought sin. We, we don't even wrestle with it. We don't even fight it. We don't even bring it up to prayer. I mean, I mean, that's when, that's when the, that's describing a hard heart. And when, when we are living with, with sin issues in our life that we don't even fight with anymore, we just kind of like give up, you know. It's, I'm really not hurting anyone. It's, you know, it's just between me, you know. And, you know, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I, I th- I'm doing pretty good in my life. I, I've got this one. I've overcome this issue. But, you know, and God says, don't let that find its way into your heart. And sometimes when, when we're around other brothers and sisters and we know there's an issue going on in their life and this is affecting their life, what does God want us to do? Do we just sit back and say nothing? No. If we love our brothers and sisters, what do we do? We love them. We have the courage enough to confront. I was reading a story about Vince Lombardi. Uh, <clears throat> 
who was the coach of the Green Bay Packers. I want to read you this story. It's a short story. It says, during a practice session for the Green Bay Packers, things were not going well for Vince Lombardi's team. Lombardi singled out one of the big guard for his future, for, for his failure to put out. It was a hot, muggy day when the coach called his guard aside and leveled awesome vocal guns on him, as only Lombardi can do. Son, you are a lousy football player. You're not blocking. You're not tackling. You're not putting out. As a matter of fact, it's all over for you today. Go take a shower. The big guard dropped his head and walked into the dressing room. Forty-five minutes later, when Lombardi walked in, he saw the big guard sitting in front of his locker, still wearing his uniform. His head was bowed, and he was sobbing quietly. Vince Lombardi, ever the changeable but always the compassionate warrior, did something of an about-face that was also typical of him. He walked over to his football player and put his arms around his shoulder. Son, he said, I told you the truth. You are a lousy football player. You're not blocking. You're not tackling. You're not putting out. However, in all fairness to you, I should have finished the story. Inside of you, my son, there is a great football player. And I'm going to stick by your side until the great football player inside of you has a chance to come out and assert himself. With these words, Jerry Kramer straightened up and felt a great deal better. As a matter of fact, he felt so much better, he went on to become one of the all-time greats in football and was recently voted the all-time best guard uh, in football history as an offensive player. Became arguably the best blocker in history. He told him the truth, but eventually it was mixed with love and it brought about tremendous results unrepentant, listen to this, for those, okay, those who want to experience the promise, unrepentant sin delays the promise of God. Why isn't God moving? Take a look. Is there anything that the Holy Spirit's been trying to speak to you and you have shut him off? Go back to that place and say, Lord, have mercy on me. God, change me. Lord, my heart has become so hard, Lord, that I've said, Lord, I want this more than I want you. God, change my heart. We need encouragers. People are discouraged and deceived by listening to the lies of their flesh, to the lies of culture, to the lies of circumstances and bad advice and devil and the devil. So what do you need? You and I need encouragers. And the main source, here it is, Romans 15:4. Everything written in the past was written to teach us. The scriptures give us strength to go on. They encourage us and give us hope. You know, your pastor encourages you to read your Bible. Probably one of the greatest reasons to read your Bible is not necessarily for yourself. God wants you to know it because so you can know the cheers. Because there's going to be a word that maybe that spoke to you, that encouraged you at one moment. Or there's a word that maybe you even put it to memory. It was so powerful in your life. And you come across someone that's really going through a difficult time. And, and, and it's totally apropos. This scripture that God has spoken to you will speak to them. They just don't know it. They just need someone to share it with them. 
We need that kind of encouragement. This is, this, is where, this is the main source of encouragement that we give to one another. And to keep you and I from going back, we need to love one another and we need to encourage and support one another. Some of you are here today, you're discouraged, you're tired, you're still single, you've been praying for someone to come your way, no one's calling, no one's knocking on the door. Some of you may be here, your, your kids are not serving God, you're saying, when am I going to have a breakthrough? Your career is stalled, your body is failing, you're just wore out. I ask you this question, are you connected are you connected in relationship? Because God will sometimes says, this is how I'm going to reveal myself to you. In fact, this is how you're going to experience the fulfillment as you're connected in relationship to your brothers and sisters. It doesn't happen unless you and I make an intentional effort that we're going to be connected in relationship. Thus, life group. Thus, be, encourage, be an encourager. Receive encouragement. You may not be in the season right now, but the day is coming where you will need it. And you may be in the season right now, things are going pretty good, pretty steady. God wants to use you to be an encourager. Hebrews, here it is. Don't look back. Look up instead to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Let's pray.